might just be one of the most traumatic moments in a football game. Your team is on the field and there is a long pass play thrown, a flag comes out on an incomplete pass. You don't know if it's going to be offensive or defensive pass interference. And what about a game where you didn't have pass interference? Timothy P. Brown joins us from footballarchaeology.com to tell us about football before pass interference. It's all coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history, and welcome to another edition where we go get to go down that historic road into some football archaeology with the host and founder of footballarchaeology.com, Timothy P. Brown. Tim, welcome back to the Pigpen. Thank you, Darren, on this beautiful summer evening. Glad to be sitting inside in my basement talking with you. And and I, too, am in the basement where it's much cooler than the rest of the house in uh, 80-degree weather that we're not used to, going from uh, 50s to 80s in a couple days. It's uh, kind of a shock to the system. uh, But we've got a little bit of a a shock to the system uh, in one of your recent tidbits that we're going to discuss tonight. And uh, you have a, a great title to it, and it's called Before There Was Pass Interference. And I don't think uh, any of us listening or talking uh, on the subject remember before pass interference. So we're really interested to hear what it was like. Yeah, you know, and I still, I, I still, I've got an article that I've been working on for quite some time to try to describe the difficulty of of coming up with a passing attack in 1906. You know, so the forward pass was new. Um, and the fact that they, well, they didn't have a pass interference penalty when the forward pass was first legalized. And so, you know, just to kind of set the scene for that or, you know, to try to describe why, you know, it's the fact that, you know, I think we now tend to think of we think of passing the way we've always known it, you know, the over, overhand spiral, throwing the ball down the field, airing it out. And that's not what they conceived of at the time. You know, football had, you know, all basically always had forward passing. It was just legal. And for them, a forward pass was a forward lateral. So it was these, you know, just short little either inadvertent or, you know, on purpose, they tossed the ball forward. And if the referee caught it, they were penalized for it. Um, and it was actually, you know, a loss, of, a loss, of, you know, they lost the ball. Um, so when the forward pass was first legalized, most people were thinking in terms of fairly short range kind of tosses, you know, pitch kinds of, of, uh, approaches and you know the techniques were you know there were kind of the basketball two-hand set shot sort of you know pushing the ball to another guy the grenade toss things like that so um and so 
you know, if if you think of the forward pass in those very short range kinds of dimensions, um, you probably weren't thinking in terms of pass interference. I mean, people were getting jostled around. You know, I mean, they were somebody was tackling you, and the guy in front of you was blocking. And, you know, maybe you pitched the, you know, you pitched the ball to the guy who was blocking. And so, you know, pass interference didn't kind of make sense conceptually. Um, the other thing that was related to that is that in 1906, they also expanded the onside punt. So making every player on the offense eligible to run downfield and get and recover a punt for the off or for the kicking team. Um regardless of whether they were offside or onside relative to the, to the punter. So, you know, and football already had, you know, they didn't call them gunners. That didn't come till maybe the fifties or something. Um, but they had gun, you know, their ends would split out oftentimes on punts. If it was, you know, a planned punt. And so then, you know, the, that guy would get jostled by a defender, you know, all the way, all the way down. And so, you know, the, the expectation was somebody running downfield like that was going to get hit. So there was just not a, you know, they just didn't conceive of a forward, the forward passing game we know and love today. Um, and so they didn't think of pass interference the, the same way. And so they played the first two seasons without really, without any rules regarding pass interference. And then in, um, in 1908, they adopted a, a new rule that said um, the defense can push the offense out of the way to get to the ball <laughs> and uh, to you know to try to catch the ball, but and there were no restrictions on the offense, so they could they didn't even have to you know they could push the guy so he wouldn't catch the ball you know the defender to, to not catch the ball, um, and so that that stuck around. Um, until 1910. Yeah, that, that sounds like a whole lot more fun to watch that than what we have today. Yeah. Well, you just, I mean, you think about it. I mean, like the, um, you know, press coverage and, you know, some of the things, um, you know, where now, you, you know, the def defenders can't hit the receiver, you know, five after five yards downfield, things like that. You know, those rules you know, weren't, weren't around, you know, mm -hmm. until like, you know, I think it was the early seventies when, when, when those rules came, right, right. came into being, um, you know, and then, you know, that was obviously, you know, when the, so you couldn't be in contact when the ball was in the air. Uh, prior to that, it was kind of anything goes. Um, so that was kind of, you know, maybe to some extent, the remnant of it. Um, but yeah, I don't think the five yard so, chuck rule in the NFL came into maybe late seventies, early eighties. I think, okay. I think it was, most, it was pretty prevalent during the seventies. You could have contact and it yeah, wasn't called. Yeah, right. Yeah. Cause I mean, the Raiders were the, you know, the, probably the foremost that, that, uh, yeah. That Lester Hayes and yeah. Yeah, Mel, Mel Blount was guilty of it too. All of them were all the big corners yeah. were. <laughs> um, so then in 1910, they said, okay, you can't, um, you can't make contact. You can't push or shove. Um, you know, but you could kind of use your body if you're making a bona fide attempt to catch the ball, which is fundamentally the rule that we have today. You know, they they also 
just for 1910, they got rid of it in 1911. They also added the rule that um, the defender could not tackle the receiver until he had taken one step after catching the ball, which Mm -hmm. kind of presages, you know, the the targeting kind or defenseless player, you know, sort of, sort of thing. Um, But they got rid of it, you know, after just one year um, and, you know, just left it at, uh, you know, basically at that point, they said, okay, once he catches the ball uh, or touches the ball, then it's uh, Katie bar the door, but, um, so, you know, it's really, you know, it took a couple of years for pass interference to come into being and, 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 but then, you know, by basically 1910, our pretty much our current handling and view of, of pass interference came into being, you know, now what, what happens in the hand chucking and all that kind of stuff, press coverage, that, that has changed, but pass interference pretty much is what it, it is what it is, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting look at it, and you know it's, it's stayed pretty consistent through all the years. Too bad that the definition of a, a catch hasn't stayed that same way because it seems like uh, recently we've lost what you know catching the ball is a, a legal catch anymore. At least the NFL has. I think college still has it right, and high school has it right, but uh, it gets a little bit confusing in the NFL anymore. Yeah, I don't, I don't even try to understand that one (laughs) wait for the call on the field and then uh or from the box and you know yeah well hopefully they're getting closer and closer to get it back to what it should be what we all know is a catch and what isn't a catch you you just know it's not it's hard to describe but you know when somebody catches the ball yeah it's uh but that, that you know that's kind of the tough tough thing for you know referees have to have a basis for their rulings and that's that's true so or officials i should say um but yeah, it's a it's a difficult one to try to figure out, but um, you know, so what what's you know back to the just the pure pass interference thing. It, it it's just interesting. They they kind of settled on something early on that you know has worked for 100, 110 years. I mean, it's really really pretty remarkable because there aren't that many rules where that has been the case. Yeah, when you can have a, a bunch of football minds in, uh, around the country and throughout the ages all agreeing on something, that is pretty remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, that was uh, another fascinating uh, tidbit that, that you had uh, recently. Now, folks uh, would love to get their hands on your tidbits each and every day, and if maybe you could give them some information that uh, how that you can share that with them. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, uh, I release the stories every day at 7 o'clock Eastern, and all you got to do if you're interested is go to footballarchaeology.com. Um, there's an opportunity to subscribe on every page. And uh, so you sign up and you, you know, it's free. You get an email in your in your inbox at 7 o'clock Eastern each night. And uh, so, you know, you can pile them up for the week or uh, read them that minute, whichever you prefer. And if you're not, you know, if you don't want it, if you don't want me invading your inbox, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, footballarchaeology.com or not, uh-huh. or just football archaeology is my, my name there. Right. Okay. Well, Tim Brown, footballarchaeology.com. Thank you very much for joining us. And we will talk to you again next Tuesday. Very good. Thank you, sir. We're taking a peek over at the chains in the down marker. It's fourth and long. We're going to have to punt the ball and get on out of here, but we'll have another series tomorrow for your football history headlines. So be sure to tune in. 
we invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. Pigskindispatch.com is a proud affiliate of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of sports yesteryear.